following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. So we're, we're talking about God's riches. We're talking about the, the gifts he's given us, and the book of Ephesians really walks us through these things. And we've talked about the riches of grace, the riches of the saints, the riches of glory. And today we're going to talk about the riches of love, but I want to start off with a confession. Uh, and this is something I've held very tightly uh, for a long time because I remember Chelsea's reaction um, when we were dating and I shared this with her it was not something I was expecting. And so it's something that's pretty, I've held pretty close to the vest for a very long time. Um, and it was for a short time when I was in middle school, uh, I had a bit of an identity crisis. And I was a fan of a certain university located in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, there was about eight months where I owned an OU hat and cheered for Oklahoma against every other team. And uh, that's my confession this morning. Uh, I, see, <laughs> I see heads shaking. Jonathan Maslink, I'm sure, is getting ready to just shut the live stream off over here. Uh, great UT grad. But that was this moment in my life that I bring to you as a confession. Now, if you are from Oklahoma and you are an OU fan, that's awesome, and I'm for it. But I, I grew up in Texas. This is like, this is supposed to be no matter if you are an Aggie, if you're a Longhorn, if you're a Roadrunner, if you're a, you know, a Texas Tech Raider. Well, we may all dislike each other, but we all know there's one other team that we dislike more, and that's the Oklahoma Sooners. And I had this moment in eighth grade where I had a good buddy, and I thought, hey, he likes Oklahoma. I want him to like me. I'm going to like Oklahoma. And I remember driving with my parents to a mall. Kids, ask your kids what a mall is, or kids, ask your parents what a mall is. Um, but we went to Lids, which was one of my favorite stores because I love hats. And I went in, and I remember buying that red hat with that OU on it and showing it to my buddy and thinking how cool I was. And when I admitted to Chelsea when we were dating in college that there was a short period that I did in fact own an OU hat, I think at that point she was questioning her life choices. But, you know, this is a very silly thing. It's something that happened, and we all go through that. But how often do we let a questioning of our identity change who we are? And not only a questioning of our identity change who we are, but how often is that questioning of identity prompted by trying to please an outside force, be it friends, family, just other people, coworkers, whatever it is. This morning we're going to talk about the riches of love. That as we look at Ephesians chapter 4, Paul gives us a list of things we are supposed to do. 
that if we are the body of Christ, then here are the things that we are supposed to do. And we can see from our reading this morning, there's a list, put away falsehood. Speak truth to your neighbor. Be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Labor so that you can give to those in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, only that which is fit for building up. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away along with malice. And it closes this section with this capstone verse. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Paul gives us this list of how we're supposed to live together. And all we have to do right now is look in our world at large and not even very far to see that this is a struggle right now. It's a struggle for us to live by putting away anger and malice. And what I'd like for you to do this morning as we talk about this is to push aside other people. Oh, it's those people out there. And I want you to look at your own life and say, where am I not doing these things? Where am I not living in the way Christ has called me to? Because it's easy for us to look outside of ourselves. But today I want to challenge you to say, as we read Ephesians 4, as you hear that list of things we are called to, in the Word of God. Don't push that somewhere else. Pull it in on yourself. Maybe say a short little prayer. Lord, as as Pastor Ted preaches, show me in my life. Because it ends with this capstone. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And I love that these are the words that were chosen. Because so often we can take and bend Jesus to our will, his stories to our will. And so we read, in your anger, do not sin. And we as humans go, aha, but that means I can be angry. And so we try and look for the loophole to go, okay, where can I be angry? Where can I do these things? But I love that the capstone verse at the end because it says, be kind, be tender-hearted, and forgive one another. So let's just take those verses and see what Paul is talking about. If you were to take the word kindness in Greek and look throughout Scripture, where else it shows up, we can see in Luke, Jesus says, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons and daughters of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil in first peter chapter 2 peter writes and says so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation 
if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. That good there and the kindness we've been reading, those are the same words in the Greek. When we read kindness, when Paul is calling us towards kindness, he is saying, be kind because look at the kindness shown to you. Because he, the son of the most high, is kind to you. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Now what about this idea of tender-hearted? Well, this shows up also in 1 Peter in chapter 3. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. This Greek word for tender-hearted also shows up outside of Scripture, but it is, it is used more in the idea of deep in your guts. And there are a couple different words that have this kind of emphasis in Greek that talk about that depth of feeling, that physical depth of, you know, in your guts. And this is one of those words. And so when it says be tender-hearted, it is saying those moments where you don't want to be tender-hearted, where you want to be angry, where you want to have malice and to slander, dig deep and find a tender heart. It's gutsy to be tender-hearted. In a world that would proclaim, no, what you need to do is find revenge, find payback, find anger. We have a Savior who comes and says, no, be tender-hearted. Live in kindness. And if that weren't enough, we end with that, the idea of forgiveness, which is a word that we see throughout the New Testament. Obviously, forgiveness is one of these key attributes in the New Testament. And so here we have Jesus in Luke chapter 7. What has happened is he's been invited into the house of a Pharisee. And as he is there, a woman of ill repute comes in and greets him with affection and tears. And this is what happens. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet... He would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now remember, he thought this. He said this to himself. And Jesus, you know, hearing it from out of the corner, goes, and I love, he doesn't respond to the Pharisee. He looks at Peter, also known as Simon. So here we go. He looks at Simon and he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, I love this. You know when the teacher sets it up so everyone pays attention. And sometimes the student picks up on it. So Jesus goes, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon, Peter, replies and goes, well, then say it, teach. He says, he says, he says, Simon, I have something to you. And he says, say it, teacher. 
Listen, at any point, if, you, if you're feeling it, the spirit in a sermon, this is a little sidebar, but if you ever say, say it, teacher, I'm in. I'm down. Freedom. If you feel it, just preach it. I'm in. Love it. Anyways, that's for me. That's preaching, whatever. Peter says, say it, teacher. Jesus says, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owned 500 denarii, one owed 500 denarii, and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. This idea of forgiveness is connected to this idea of the same word for canceling debt in this story is the same word for forgiveness that Paul writes in Ephesians. It is a canceling of debt. Something was owed. And we could not pay it. And that debt was canceled. I don't know if you've ever been in that position where you owed something to someone and they looked at you and said, don't worry about it. Listen, I get excited when that's a slice of pizza. When someone bought lunch and they say, don't worry about it, I've got it. Can you imagine the greater debt being forgiven? And once again, as this story would go on in Luke chapter 7, the Pharisees, Jesus will forgive the woman her sins and they will start questioning, who is this man that he forgives sins? Be kind, a kindness that comes from the Father because he was kind. He was good to those who didn't deserve it. Be tender-hearted, a tender-heartedness that comes from a physical place inside of us created by the Father to show kindness to those who don't deserve it. And forgive, cancel debts. When you are wronged and someone owes you, forgive them, cancel their debts. This whole Ephesians chapter 4 shows us that that it is a blessing for us to do these things. Peter says it as well, that he says, do this so that you may obtain a blessing. Now, push aside what you might know from culture, which is, oh, a blessing is monetary. No, a blessing is life lived in the Spirit, is life lived following Jesus, is life lived where we start realizing following Him may not always give us what we want, but it ends up being better than we could have imagined. This whole chapter shows us these riches of love, that it is a gift to us, that it is not just our calling to go out and do these things. It is a gift to us to not be angry. It is a gift to us to not slander or malice, to produce so that we can give to those in need. It is a gift to us to be kind, to be tender-hearted, to forgive. Those are gifts of love from the Father to us. 
He calls us to do these things, but they are a gift of a life where we say here at Narrative Church over and over our calling is to live the story of Jesus. Well, living that story means that we live tender-hearted, kind, and forgiving because those are the gifts of love given to us. That is who we are. That is an identity piece of being disciples living that story. This is what we do. So if you look at your life, how often do you not do those things? How often are you unkind, where you have a hard heart, where you are unforgiving, where you sin in your anger, where you slander others, where you hold malice? Listen, it, 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 I say all those things, I feel them. Because I can tell you the silly places I hold malice just mention the New York Yankees. I feel that. But in more embarrassing places, I can tell you there are people I've held and do hold malice against. And it's too often that I feel like I have slandered others, that I am unkind, that I am hard of heart that I'm unforgiving. And those are two people I like. Those are to my friends and my family. So what am I like to people I don't like? What I would say is so often we look at these things to be kind and tenderhearted, forgiving, and we go, I just got to try a little harder. And we start putting our efforts into doing those things. Now that is not wrong. We should try and seek to follow God more. But I think it is more basic than that. I think we put our identity in the wrong places. I think sometimes, not sometimes, the temptation of this world is for us to be liked, for us to be known, for us to be successful. And so we put our identity in idols and things that don't fulfill us. And when we put our identity there, we forget whose we are. We forget what we are. And when we lose sight of our identity, these things become harder. And that's why I love that Paul ends that command, be kind, be tenderhearted, forgive. And he ends it by saying, as God in Christ forgave you. That's your identity. That's whose you are. The enemy will work overtime to make you feel unworthy 
unliked and angry. He will work overtime to get you to lose sight of whose you are. That you will look at this list in Ephesians 4 and say, if these are the riches of love, if these are the gifts I've been given to exercise the bounty of the family of Christ, well then maybe I am not part of the family. But Paul ends by saying, no, you do these things because you're in. Just as God in Christ forgave you. You're here. You've got it. There is nothing that can take that identity from you. He'll write to the church in Rome some of the most famous words of Scripture when he says, neither height nor depth, neither angels nor demons can overcome the love of God that Christ has for you. I got to talk with my dad this weekend about what I was preaching on, and it's this weird place now that, that's incredible where you know, he's a pastor, I'm a pastor, and we can share these things together. And I was sharing with him where we'd been in the midst of all of this sermon series. And I told him about the riches of grace, the riches of the saints, the riches of glory, and how we're bringing that into the riches of love. And he looks at me and he goes, and, this, and listen, it's really annoying, and I hope someday it'll be me, older pastors, older leaders in the faith. It doesn't always have to be pastors. It's just well-seasoned saints They've learned these lessons and they see your gears turning and they go, aha, I know what this is. And he looks at me with this little twinkle in his eye and he goes, so do you think God loves us even as sinners? Do you think his love like is there? Because here's the thing that we know that we deserve to be punished for our sins. We we deserve that. And what we so often talk about is, well, Jesus comes in, redeems us, and he sees Jesus. And so we are let in. But what dad was pushing at was, hey, he loved us so deeply, even before we were redeemed, that he sent the redeemer. That we did not have any chance of paying the debt we owed. And still he loved us. He loved us as Jesus loved the woman who came into that house. His love didn't start when we were redeemed. His love has never stopped. So when we look and we say, these are the callings, these riches of love that we get to give away to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving, we look and we say it's because we were first shown kindness. That instead of having a hard heart to destroy and start anew, God felt deeply inside of himself, in his guts, a love for us, a tender heart for sinful people. And he looked at us and said, that debt the only way I can cancel it is for my son to die for you. And he said, I love you so much that I will do that for you. That I will look and I will say, this is 
yours. Before you deserved it, it belongs to you. That is my love for you. So here's the deal. As God in Christ forgave you, not only do you receive that forgiveness, that is the key to the storehouse of the riches of heaven. That is how we get in. Listen, all this time, like, and this will be me showing my millennial generation. Every time I think about this, I think of Scrooge McDuck diving into a sea of gold coins from DuckTales. Some of you will get that. Some of you just get home and Google Scrooge McDuck diving into coins, and you'll see it. It is physically impossible and would be injury prone. But in the cartoons, it works beautifully because it is this giant silo of all of his money and he just goes for a swim. That is what is open to you. The riches of heaven, the storehouses that hold the treasures of God belong to you because as God for the sake of Christ forgave you. And you know what's great? He wants you to take those riches and spend them. He doesn't want you to just look at those and go, oh, it's a pretty ruby. He wants you to go out and spoil people with the riches of heaven. He wants you to walk out and be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving because he says, if this is who I am, if this is the storehouse of heaven, take it wherever you go. Because think about our world today. You know what our world could use? Some kindness. Some people with tender hearts. Some forgiveness. And it starts with you. And not in some place where you think and you go, oh, what's this, you know, this 30,000 foot, how could I do it? No, it starts with you tomorrow. It starts with you right now, saying, who needs my kindness? Who needs my tender heart? Who needs my forgiveness? And maybe it's flipped and you go, I need kindness from this brother or sister in Christ. I need someone with a tender heart to hear my needs. I need to go and ask forgiveness from someone. because this is not a new situation we're in. It's new to us, but there has always been sickness. There has always been strife. The Bible says there will always be wars and rumors of wars. While this time period, this feeling is new to us, it is not new to the church. It is not new to God. And we're not going to create some utopia on earth, but what we might do is let people into the storehouses of heaven. What we might be able to do is show them the riches of love that God showed to us. So let's start first in this. No matter what you have done, no matter what you will do, 
Jesus came for you. You are forgiven. You are made new. That thing that keeps you up at night, you are forgiven. That thing that eats at you and says you're not worthy, you are forgiven. And listen, as I say that, it's hard for me to hear it. I need it. Don't let your identity be stolen by other things. Return to the word of God for you. And then go out with access to the riches of love. Be kind to those around you. Be tender-hearted. See where they are and let your heart melt for them. And let forgiveness be quickly on your lips. Let's pray. Lord, let us root deeply in your grace for us. Do not let our identity stray. Lord, when we hear the lies of the enemy, bring us back. Lord, bring us to you. Lord, let us see the riches of your love and let us take that wherever we go, that they are gifts to show others the deep storehouses of heaven. Challenge us to see in our lives where we are failing, not to show how terrible we are, but to say, no, let me live in my identity and let me take these things wherever I go. In your son Jesus' name, amen.